0: The demonic who was healed, and um, today we look at uh, two accounts following that, and they're linked together. Really, I think you see that as we look at this particular text. It's the woman with the issue of blood and and Jairus, and there are two. These are two individuals who are really uh, where they come from and what they're experiencing are really polar opposites. And uh, we see how the Lord works in both of their lives. So let me read uh, or follow along as we read in Mark chapter number 5 and verse number uh, 21. And then we'll have a short word of prayer. And then we'll get into the Bible study for this morning. The Bible says, And when Jesus passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse, when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him save Peter and James and John the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tolmet, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. And when he had put them out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Lord, we ask that You'd bless now our Bible study this morning. I pray, Lord, that You'd help me as I teach this lesson. I pray that You would guide and direct all that we're about to say and all that we're about to do. Let it, Lord, bring honor and glory to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, on your handout, if you notice the first paragraph there. So, last week we saw Jesus and His victory over the demons. This week we see Jesus and his victory over both death and disease. So the contrast, though, as I already mentioned, between these two needy people is very striking, and it really reveals the wideness of Christ's love and his mercy. Jairus, we learn from the text, was an important synagogue officer. Now, he wasn't a priest. When it says that he was a ruler of the synagogue, he was a very important layperson in the synagogue. He was a man that would have been looked to and he was revered. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. But the woman is really an anonymous, I'll use this term, maybe it's not the right term, but she's really a nobody in, in people's eyes, I should say. We know that everybody is a somebody in Jesus' eyes, amen? But she's a nobody. In fact, she's more than just a nobody, she's an outcast. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. And both of these, if you notice, uh, there's 12 years involved in both of these accounts. So the man, Jairus, has raised his daughter for 12 years, and at the same time, the woman has been bleeding for 12 years. And um, one has had the joy of raising a daughter and all that goes along with that, and the other has been living in 12 years of misery and agony. And yet in this scene, they both come together. We find as we get into this that um, Jairus, I'm sure, a man of means. I'm sure just like we read that the woman, she spent all that she had and the doctors couldn't help her. And uh, Jairus, I'm sure, did the same. He doesn't say that of Jairus, but his daughter is dying. And if you had a child that's dying, you're willing to do anything that you can to save that daughter's life. So let's get into this and see some things here. So the text says in chapter 5, pick it up now, we're going to look at the woman first. We, we, You've got the picture here, how Jesus has come and, and uh, Jesus has, um, uh, this man Jairus, he, he approaches Jesus and immediately Jesus is going to go with him to his daughter, but he's interrupted along the way. And uh, there's an interruption here and it's this woman. And um, verse number 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Now we understand her her physical condition. We understand that. Um, but before we even get to that, we need to understand where she was at culturally. Um, to do that, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn There's a note on your handout that I gave you to go to the book of Leviticus chapter 15. And this is why I say that she was a cast, uh, an outcast. Leviticus chapter 15 was what the law taught with regards to someone with a condition like hers. But her condition is different than most in the sense that it was a continual; it was a 12-year condition. And um, look what it says here. This was. This is why she. Now, by the way, the Bible doesn't say if she was ever married, but if she was married, by now she probably would have been divorced. Her husband would have been allowed under the law to divorce her. But look at what it says here in Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 19. For someone in her condition. If a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood, she should be put apart seven days. And whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean, until the even. So not only was she to be separated, but she wasn't to have contact with people. And whosoever... Let me just say this too before we continue reading. When the law was given, this was a hygienic... This is for hygiene. And what we're going to see is over time, the law had been corrupted and no longer is this looked at as... uh, for hygienic purposes. Along the way, people began to think that the, these issues that people had, these were all the results of sin. And so this is why I say this woman, she's culturally an outcast. Let's look. continue to read here with regards to this. Um, for, again, verse 20. And everything that she lieth upon in her separation shall be unclean. Everything also that she sitteth upon shall be unclean. And whosoever toucheth her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And whosoever toucheth anything that she sat upon shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And if it be on her bed or on anything wherein she sitteth, when he toucheth it, he shall be unclean until the even. And if if any man lie with her at all and her flowers be upon him, he shall be unclean seven days. And all the bed whereon he lieth shall be unclean. And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation, she shall be unclean. And every bed whereon she lieth all the days of her issue shall be as the bed of her separation. And... Whatsoever she sitteth upon shall be unclean, as the uncleanness of her separation. And whosoever touches those things shall be unclean, and shall wash in his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. But if she be cleansed of her issue, then she sh- then shall uh, number to herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. So the reality is under the under the. Uh, The law here, it was really dealing with, in many ways, a woman's menstrual cycle. This woman has been having a menstrual cycle, if you will, for 12 years. And again, over the course of time, what's happened is people would look at her, and again, if she was married, her husband would have divorced her because he couldn't touch her. She was not to have contact with people. She was to be separated from people. And just think about that for a moment as this woman went into that crowd. We'll talk about this too. To get to Jesus. Cheryl, do you need a handout? You got one? Okay. To get to Jesus. So this is where she's at culturally. She's an outcast, segregated from society. And unfortunately, there's really very little compassion for her by the way, that's why we need to be careful in developing false views of Scripture. Down through history, there's been false views of Scripture. I've had this discussion with my son Josh, who has epilepsy. You know, for many for many years, people who had epilepsy were believed to be demonically possessed. By the way, I've studied something out in the Bible, and I'm not finished studying it because we we see this a lot in charismatic circles as well. People get sick, and we, we you see them think that they have the demon of the flu. But to study out the healings of Jesus in demonic possession, and again, I still have to do a little bit more studying, It, it seems in the healings, when Jesus heals, he heals the sickness and the demons are separate from the sickness. It's almost as if someone is weakened by some infirmity and as far as demonic possession goes, the demons recognize that. They, they had nothing to do with the sickness in and of itself but the weakness of the individual just made them easy prey. I may be wrong on that. I've got to keep studying that out. But anyhow, I'm just saying we need to be careful with regards to what we attribute Scripture to because in the Old Testament they did that a lot. If you were wealthy in the Old Testament that meant that you must be doing something right, the blessings of God. Read, and, and most of you, read the book of Job. There's a lot about that in the book of Job. Surely, Job, you've sinned. And, and now we do see in that particular book of the Bible that there was Satan was allowed to touch Job. But that's another message for another time. So you understand the woman's the woman's uh, situation here. So she's a social outcast. And then look at verse 26 of our text. And the Bible says, and she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but she grew worse. Now, the, this little phrase there, she had suffered many things of many physicians. I'm not sure if that the phrase there is dealing with the fact that she physically suffered. Now, I did do some side reading. The rabbis had all kinds of different concoctions that they would put together to try to heal people in, in, in uh, these particular situations. Everything from different things that they would mix and heat up and mix it with wine to one of the things that would have been tried on this woman is she would have stood somewhere with a with a, a glass of wine in her hand and someone would have snuck up to her I to scare. Well you're pretty good. You don't you scare easy. But that was my hiccups gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And there's another one where they would burn logs and you'd have to stand in the river. And so I'm not, some of it may, maybe she suffered physically from some of these things, but I thought about this that she just suffered because her hopes would be raised and then they would be dashed. And her hopes would be raised and then she, they would be dashed. So this is a woman who is not only really helpless, but there's just a hopelessness about her. Now pick it up. Look at verse 27. In fact, by the way, in verse 26, not only did it not get better, but just things continue to get worse and worse and worse. What a discouraging time. Well, verse 27, when she heard of Jesus... now. We're entering the second year of Jesus' ministry. And the Scriptures throughout the Scriptures, for instance, uh, in the Gospel of Mark, it says this, and immediately his fame spread about through all the regions about Galilee. And so from a chronological point of view, just think of some of the things that we've studied in this, in this uh, uh, adult Bible hour. We've, we've, we, the water turning into wine, the first miracle of Jesus. And we've talked about the centurion's servant who was healed, and we talk about the nobleman's son who was healed, and the man who had been paralyzed, and they lowered him down through the roof, and he was healed. This is all taken place already. Peter's mother-in-law had a fever, and Jesus raised, uh, restored her health. We've we've looked at. A man with the withered hand. And we've looked at, uh, there's scripture that say, multi- now those are individual things, but there are other scriptures that say that multitudes came to Jesus and different people with different ailments had been healed of Jesus. And so this is spreading. And I'm sure that this woman had heard about this. And a man with leprosy was healed. Jesus had raised the widow of Nain's son from the dead. You know, news like that gets around. And now this woman who's helpless and hopeless, verse 27, she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. We just looked a couple of weeks ago that Jesus stilled the storm. But she's heard about Jesus. And, um, she wants to, she wants to get to see Jesus. And this is going to be difficult for her because under the rabbinic law, she shouldn't have even been in the crowd that was there. Well, we know Jesus doesn't operate that way. When she heard of Jesus, verse 27, came in the press behind and she touched His garment. She touched His garment. So before I go any further, obvious, the obvious answer to this question would be her, her issue of blood. But what, what do you think motivated her? What you, Just think about it. What, what, what motivated her to touch Jesus? Travis. Well, she's done everything possible. From the sounds of it, I mean, it seems like a last resort. Last resort. resort. Like I've got, to lose. I've got nothing to lose. Right. Right. What else? Anything else? She had faith in Jesus because she witnessed probably miracles. She was with this group of people that were following, as had heard what he just did. So she probably had faith. He can heal demons out of people sickness. We don't know how much faith. You're right. What were you going to say, Jane? We heard of other things that he had done that weren't hospitals. Yeah, like I just mentioned, chronologically all of, I mean, yeah, when you hear about somebody raising somebody from the dead, uh, your issue of blood is, uh, well, serious with her. You understand, small potatoes compared to uh, raising someone from the dead. Yeah, absolutely. What else? Anything else? Those are all good yes possibly I I wonder with this woman well okay let me just leave it at that because because I'm gonna I'll say a few things but that's good what else anything else these are all good yes Frank yeah, much on the background. have faith in Jesus? Did she know of Him before? Yeah. That's a good good point. Let's leave it at that because that's going to lead into this. So if you notice on your handout, I have there the word touch. So when this took place, it wasn't as if she made her way through the crowd. That word touch there in the Greek is not like you just... It means to grab a hold of. It means to clutch, to grab, to hold on to. the The word there suggests an action of force and desperation. So it's more than that. It's more than that. She made her way through this crowd. That she just touched the hem of his garment there. She held on. And um, but her faith, we're going to see, is really what made the contact here. We'll see that in a minute. So. As we read on, so the Bible says, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Wow, what a burden was lifted off of her. Amen? And and whether we're talking about this physical condition here or our spiritual condition, remember back to the day that you all of a sudden that day the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin, convicted you of your need of Christ, convicted you of the love of Christ, and you called out and you grabbed a hold of Jesus by faith and got saved. Amen? I mean, that's what this lady is experiencing physically, but I think she's going to experience it spiritually as well. I think she's got faith, but I'm not sure she, she has 100% faith in yet quite in who Jesus is. I think she understands this man, he's a healer. He's heard about this. Well, verse 30. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now let me ask you this question. Do you think Jesus knew or didn't know specifically who touched him? I think he knew. So why did he say that? Why would he say that then? Go ahead, Mike. Huh? To see if she would be honest. To see if she would be honest. Yeah, I think that's to some degree that's true. Why else? Yes, Bill. Also, he, wanted, he was a witness for other people. For other people to say what he's here. Yeah, that's exactly yes. Seven,
1: That's true. In some ways, this
0: woman really wanted to go quietly and anonymously and get this taken care of. And now she's healed. She's on her way out. By the way, she is, there's a picture here too. Many, there are many people who have come to know Christ as their Savior in a church service, uh, in a gathering of people that don't necessarily come forward, that don't necessarily make that public profession of faith but they're just as genuinely saved hearing the Gospel and the Holy Spirit moves upon their heart and wherever wherever they're sitting, wherever they're standing, wherever they're hearing this, and it's more of an anonymous thing, but just as you have said, He says this to draw attention to her or to give her the opportunity to say, yeah, me, I did that. Just like all of us at some point if we're truly saved, we're going to give public witness somehow, some way. I mean, the first step of public witness, the first step of your public faith in Christ is what? To be baptized. That's what baptism is. It's a public profession of our faith. So, Jesus says that. Who touched me? And his disciples, they don't quite get it. You know, the disciples... You know, they're like the rest of us. Look at the crowd of people here. How do you know? What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's been trying to get a hold of it. This is a different type of a touch. I'm sure she wasn't the only one that grabbed a hold of Jesus. And he looked around to see her that had done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling. Well, why was she trembling now? What do you think? Why was she trembling? Okay, good. She wasn't. We already. Told, she wasn't supposed to be there. She's broken the law. The rabbinical law. That's part of it, I think. She was fear and trouble I think there's more to it than that. How I picture it is, it's literally just her and Jesus that I know who he's talking about. Hmm. Well, I think I think this is public. I think I think Jesus. I, just, I think Jesus has purposely made this to be public. No, I'm not it, right? Private but conversation it's a, in the crowd. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like it's, everybody around him is like, I mean, I may have accidentally touched him, but she's like, she knows, like, oh, he's talking about me. You yeah. know? And undoubtedly, there's probably people in that crowd that know this woman. Yeah. You know, you know, she could have come with you know, something over her head to, you know, to kind of conceal herself. We don't really know. It doesn't say. Um, Alright, good. Good. So she's trembling. But as I thought about this, we're all lawbreakers. You know, we're all... We're, we all... And yet, uh, it's a beautiful picture, that the fact... You know, Paul wrote, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. We're all breakers of the law and what a beautiful picture that Jesus accepts all lawbreakers if they come to him in faith. and um, so and, and, you know she's been a she's been an outcast her whole life, so now there's going to be scrutiny on her. and um, you know i I know I can remember after I became a Christian the first time I wanted to share my faith with someone. I did it with fear and trembling, you know especially especially people I knew who knew me before I became a Christian. Like, man, what happened to you? What are you, some Bible thumper now? You know, like, whoa. But in this instance, I think it's because she's broken the, the, the rabbinical law. She's there in fear and trembling. Now, now the, the spotlight, if you will, is on her. The woman, in verse 33, the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and she fell down before him and told him all the truth. And now look at verse 34. This is a really beautiful thing here. This is the only time Jesus ever uses this word to address someone in the Scriptures. And He said unto her, Daughter. Daughter. Now don't miss it, because we're going to talk about Jairus in a minute, who had a daughter. Twelve years. The joy of Jairus' life. If you've ever raised, whether it's a daughter or whether you've raised a son, the joy of raising your children. Their sense of being brought up in your home of belonging. Their sense of being brought up in your home of security. Their sense of being brought up in your home of being loved and cared for. This woman had had none of that for 12 years. No one to comfort her. No one to love her. No one to care for her. And Jesus looks at her and He says, Daughter. Daughter. And then He says, Thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace and the whole of thy plague. And so here we know that this woman had faith. But I think Jesus is teaching her this too. It wasn't so much, He says, to the woman that you touched my garment. And this is what I meant before by what really she it was her faith. That was the touch. That's the touch of every individual. It's faith. It's faith in who Jesus is. It's faith in who Jesus uh, and what Jesus can do for each of us. And so she goes on her way. Now having made peace with God and having the peace that passeth all understanding. And not only now being physically whole, but more important, being spiritually whole. Now, we switch gears and uh, we go back to the beginning of where we started with regards to Jairus. So again, this man, he's, he's a ruler in the synagogue. He's an important man, a well-known man. I think he is a man of faith. I think his faith is developing as well here. And I think he too has heard about Jesus But his desperation is not for himself personally and so much, well, I guess in some ways it is, but his daughter. His daughter. When I thought of this man, I thought of what Paul said about himself. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. So this was a man who, I think who loved the one true living God and I think he's being introduced to the Messiah. Verse 22, So there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. He fell at his feet. In Matthew's account of this, it says he fell and he worshipped him. So culturally, he's the polar opposite of the woman. His condition personally, having heard of Jesus, being in a place of desperation, His daughter is... Well, the Scripture said here... How did it it put it? It said, uh, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee. That's where it says he besought the Lord. It means he, he was begging Jesus to come. And lay hands on her that she may be healed and she live. In Matthew's account, he said it this way. It said this way: "My daughter is even now dead. There's. It seems no hope. No hope. Someone I read this this past week. Someone said this: When a soldier dies, he's looked on, or he or she is looked on as a hero. When an elderly person dies, it's looked on as the completion of life." But when a child dies, everything seems out of order. And if you've ever experienced that, or you know people who've experienced that, it it has to be a very difficult time. I the the closest I ever came to experiencing that in my own personal life, and I, I always, I've used this example before and I in no way say this is the same thing, but my daughter Hannah had a what's called a febrile seizure, and she was a little girl. I had no idea what that was. And the kids were playing in the playroom, and the kids screamed, and I thought, something's wrong with Hannah. And I walked in, and my little girl was there. And for just a, maybe 10 seconds, I thought she was dead. I thought she stuck her hand in the electrical socket. She was completely and totally limp. And I picked her up and I put my ear to her mouth and then I could hear her breathing. And then got her, of course, to the ho- The Baileys were living around the corner for most of the time and Debbie came over and took care of the kids and Shelly and I took off. And- but for that 10 or 15 seconds, and again, I understood it's nothing like really losing a child. But it's about, I really thought my child was dead. So it's, and just in that experience and having, I can't imagine what a parent goes through. And this, this father is just, it's, how am I going, how am I going to go on with my little girl gone? He's desperate. He prays. Verse 23, and he besought him greatly. That word besought, it literally means to beg him. And so Jesus, verse 24, goes. And uh, he says, okay, Jesus followed him. It's kind of funny because elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus is always telling people to to follow him. Uh, In this instance, Jesus is following Jairus. And so now the man's hopes perhaps are being raised, only all of a sudden the woman with the issue of blood is there. And I read through this and I thought about this man. And I think it speaks of him. Despite the urgency of the Father's need, he's waiting upon the Lord here. The Lord is dealing with someone else, and the Lord is going to use this to build this man's faith. It said in verse 26 and he had suffered, uh, or um, he went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Now, go down near the end, of, or, or further along after the, the woman with the issue of blood. So, it says here uh, in verse 34 the woman with the issue of blood, now she's been healed. Now, verse 35 while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain to which said, Thy daughter is dead. Oh, the man, just put yourself in his position. Jesus, the healer, he's coming. I've heard he raised someone from the dead and all these other things that we talk about. He's coming to my house and now I have hope. And now all of a sudden the next word we, 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 there was this delay and I don't know how far away the house was or wasn't, but there was this delay and the next word he hears is thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Now, verse 36, it's a beautiful verse as well. Look what it says. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Be not afraid, only believe. So it teaches us a lot of things here about Jesus, really. I don't mean any respect to Jesus, but Jesus can do more than, or Jesus can. Jesus can walk and chew gum at the same time. Again, I don't mean any disrespect for the Lord, but do you understand what I'm saying? There's multiple things going on and Jesus can handle multiple things. they talk about the ultimate multitasker. But look, look what happens here. Jesus is aware of the Father's desperation. He's aware of the Father's disappointment. And now he builds upon the man's faith. So obviously Jesus, or excuse me, Jairus he has the word of God to trust, right? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. But what else does Jairus have now? What else does he have with regards to his confidence in the Lord and what the Lord can do? Yeah, he just saw this woman healed. He not only has the Word of God, but he also has just seen in his presence Jesus healed this woman. And that's the way that it works in our lives. You know, the Lord builds our faith as we learn the Word of God and then we apply the Word of God and then we see the Word of God working around us. And so the man now, he is just following the Lord. The word of faith. And they come to the house, the ruler of the synagogue, and there's a great crowd. And they're all weeping and they're all wailing because the little girl apparently has died. And when he came in, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel's not dead, but she sleepeth. And they all laughed at him. And when he had put them out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai. And the word Talitha, it means little lamb. This is, actually, it's probably correctly pronounced Talitha. But this is obviously where I chose my, first, my oldest daughter's name, the little damsel, the little lamb. And it's, it's meant for us to understand the uh, emotional impact Because truly, this little girl was this father's little lamb. and Jesus knows that. Little lamb, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. She rose from the dead. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. I'm sure they were. And he charged them straightly that they should tell no man and, or man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. What other, wait, why do you think that he told them not to tell anybody? He's done that other times. So just a week ago, he said to the man, the demonic, go back and publish this in Decapolis. That man wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to go with Jesus. And that man said, Jesus said, No, 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 no. You, you know, you you stay and go back to you go into Decapolis and you published what happened, and then as I mentioned last week, if you go to chapter seven, Jesus returns to Decapolis and a great that was the crowd. If you if you weren't here last week, where the the um, demons go into the swine, the swine go into the ocean, and then they tell Jesus please leave. Well, two chapters later, Jesus returns and they don't tell Jesus to leave. There's a great multitude now that comes. I attribute it to the fact that the demonic published his story and many people were drawn to Jesus because of it. But why do you think here uh, as we finish up why do you think here uh, Jesus says don't publish this or don't tell anybody? Why, why do you think? You want to say something? I can tell. What? Yeah, that would puzzle me because obviously it's in God's word in the Bible. Everybody knows who reads <laughs> the Bible now. World Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not sure. I don't have an answer. That's why I'm asking you. I'm, I'm, there's numbers of times where Jesus says this. You know. Yes, Frank, then Travis. Uh, that's one of the mysteries of the Lord. He's a wife. He had a reason. And we don't know what the reason is. What were you going to say, Trav? I think word of mouth will travel faster. In fact, he kicked everybody out of the room before he brought it back. She's got to walk out that room at some point. Yeah, and all those people outside are going to be like, what? Right. And then word of mouth will travel faster than anything. I don't think he really needs to say anything or have anything to bring him. I think the fact that when she walks out of that room a lot and the parents... That say says it all. And I think he'll say it all. I don't think he needs to say anything. I think it's like a drop the mic moment. Like what? Like a drop the mic moment. Drop the mic moment, yeah. Good. He says this multiple times, and it's almost like it, it just shows how humble Jesus was because if like in our earthly bodies and our we're human, if we did something that impressive, we want everybody to know it. like, oh yeah, I did that, but Jesus has done it multiple times. He like it doesn't need to be I, I want people to follow me because of my teachings and because of who I am, not because of all the miracles I did. true sure. good. yes. the circumstances around where the miracle happened and the people that were there, uh, I think that uh, I think that Jesus said don't tell anyone or or to tell people and I think all that was uh, would determine who would hear about this and believe in Jesus. Okay. I think those are all good things. And real quickly, as we finish up, just these real quick thoughts. I think this is on your handout. I have the word of faith there. uh, There's there's these contrasts. I can't get into all this, but let me just use this example. So you had everybody laughing at Jesus, and then you had Jesus saying, no, no, your daughter's going to live. So the man had to determine whether he was going to trust the faith of God or he was going to go with the crowd. That's a decision everybody makes from time to time. Thus saith the Lord versus what is everybody else doing? There was the word of hope. You know, there's, You can go through life and be hopeless, whatever your situation is, or you can put your hope in what the Scriptures say. And you see that contrast there. And then we see, because of how Jesus dealt with both of these people, the word of His love and of His power and how concerned He is for both the outcast and for the ruler. So I'll leave you with these two questions Just like the woman, what do you need to reach out and grab Jesus for? Maybe nothing right now, but there's always a time in our lives we need to reach out and grab Jesus. I'm talking beyond salvation, you understand? Beyond that, I mean, that's the most important thing. But beyond that. And just like the man, Jairus, when was the last time, whatever that need is, that you just fell down at Jesus' feet and worshipped Him? Just some practical ideas at the very end of this. So that's our Bible study with regards to the miracles of the woman with the issue of blood and Jerus, Let's pray. Father, bless the morning worship service. I let it bring honor and glory to you all that we do. The singing, the offering, the preaching of the word. Just let us come together and worship you because you are more than worthy of our worship. In Jesus' name, amen.